You're listening to Access and Expand, conversations that offer you access to information that expands your mind. I'm your host, Tiffany Curran. It's a beautiful day here in New York City. I am at the wing in the Flatiron District. I just finished um, having a conversation with Aaron Telford that you're about to hear. Uh, it was like an incredible honor to have Erin on the podcast. Erin is my first breathwork teacher. Um, she trained me in Healer Training One, and I also have done uh, her Sacred Terrain groups, her Deep in Your Practice Mastermind. Um, anything that Erin does, I usually try to get into because she's just really amazing. Um, before breathwork, she was an acupuncturist, and there's other fun things before that and in between that she's going to talk about. Um, that you'll hear on this interview. So she was here in the city for a few weeks. She um, is currently located in Topanga and holds groups, I think it's weekly, at Sanctum in LA. So after listening to this, if you want to jump in on that, go look at their schedule. She also does lots of virtual groups, full moon, new moon, um, and random other groups. Uh, I highly, highly recommend checking her out, working with her, breathing with her in any or all capacity that you can. She's amazing. It is my extreme pleasure to introduce to you Erin Telford. I am delighted to be here with you, Erin. I'm so happy to be here. (laughs) So um, I'm here at the wing at the Flatiron with Erin Telford, who is my very first breathwork teacher. Um, you're, I, I want to say you're a breathwork teacher slash healer amongst other things, but that's who you are to me. <laughs> so that's kind of where my focus is um, with you today. Amazing. Welcome to New York. Thank you. It's so good to be here. Yeah. How does it feel coming back from Topanga? You know, it's, it's, um, I love, New York was like the first place I ever felt like I belonged and it's the first place that I ever felt really accepted and at home. Mm-hmm. And I came alive here. So when I moved here, I moved here in um, 2004, like, uh, yeah, like late fall 2004. Mm-hmm. And I just remember feeling so enlivened by the spirit of the city. And it's still, to this day, it's the only physical location other than nature that I can walk around and I'll just get chills, like random mm-hmm. chills. And I just love the spirit of the people here. I love the passion. I love the creativity. I love the fire. I love the intensity of the people here. And there's no place like New York. <laughs> I miss the peace <laughs> and quiet and beauty of my, of my new home. But, I mean, this is, it's, a, it's a privilege to be here and it's a privilege to work here. And working here and doing breathwork here is one of my favorite things ever. So yeah. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, and you, when you started here, because I want to dial it way back mm-hmm. to when you first came here, who you were working for, and then your, the path. So and it's going to be a lot of talking. Um, but what I think is so interesting is that not only did you, do you work in New York, even when you come back to visit, but you worked in New York uh, full-time doing this work. And I know you're not interested in the guru you know, thing, but we all see you as, you know, Aaron Telford, you know? And Thank so you. I wonder, like, because you really, I feel like, captured everybody. And I'm, so I'm just curious to hear, like, why you came to New York and how you found that path from acupuncture, or even before acupuncture, mm-hmm. all the way through Reiki and, like, how you landed 
at breathwork and why that became your, you know, current thing? That's a long answer. But yeah, we I'm got gonna, time. Okay, good. I'll get started. <laughs> so I moved to New York, yeah, in 2004, and I was, um, I was right before I turned 30, so 29, and I'd been in a relationship with somebody that was like, someone I loved more than anyone I'd ever loved before and someone that I thought I would get married to and have babies with. And um, it was just one of those totally devastating breakups that just changes your whole life and turns your world upside down. And I was living in San Francisco at the time and I just, our community and our friend group was so close-knit. It just, there was like no safe space for me in the city anymore and I always wanted to move to New York, like, but it takes guts to move to New York. It takes guts to move all the way across the country. So that pain and that heartbreak, it just was such a catalyst for me to do something that I didn't have the courage to do before or even the catalyst or the impulse to. So I'd been working in fashion in Seattle and San Francisco in different capacities. And so when I moved out to New York, I had a bunch of friends that worked in fashion, and they helped me, you know, with their contacts and connections, find a job, um, started working at the Prada corporate um, showroom in Midtown, and it was, in the beginning, it was so glamorous and exciting and cool, and I felt like, you know, everyone was so proud of me. It's a well-known name, and it's a cool company, and... Um, I really loved the, uh, the artistry of the brand. Like I love the, the feathers and the jewels and the lace and, and all of the like, the, I really like traditional, um, traditional crafts. Like I think that as things are becoming automated, there's less, you know, what happens to the lace makers? What, ma what happens to the people that have those like, those hand crafts, those, those traditional crafts, mm -hmm. um, because they can just get replaced by machines. So I really love the, the, the luxury and the artistry of the clothing. Mm. And, um, but as I got more, as I got further into working there, I just realized what a um, complicated and challenging place it was and to work in a corporate environment. Um, you know, you're like a cog in the wheel, no matter what co corporation you work for, and you're replaceable and you're expendable and they don't really care about you. And fashion, unfortunately, as you know, rich and interesting as it can be, also is a very superficial type of industry to be in. And I just, I just got worn out. I just got beat down. I got worn down. There was a lot of weird stuff happening with my team. Some like mm -hmm. domestic violence stuff and some sexual harassment and all kind. We had just many trips to HR, and it was just like it was a beat down. Oh, it with just, you. Um, between other people on my oh. team, like things I had to go in and talk to people about, you know, reporting on other people that was, yeah. you know, get called into anyway. So it was really taxing. And I just, I just, it was one of the few times, most of the time in my life, I'm pretty clear about what I want to do and where I want to go. And I was very confused, which is like my least comfortable feeling. Really? Um, and so it was one of the, one of the, probably one of the most profound times that I started to like pray and talk to the universe and really ask, like ask for signs, ask for my next step, ask for like, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do with myself? What's my next move? I thought this was it. And this is so clearly not it. So what is it? What mm -hmm. am I supposed to be doing? And I was really burnt out. I was sick. I wasn't sleeping well. It was like all the manifestations of just like heavily adrenalized, 
hard-driving, hard-working New York person. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty miserable. Um, and then one day I was uh, going home from work and I had exhausted all of the fashion magazines in the PR room and I grabbed the last one that I hadn't read and took it home and I was flip- flipping through it on the subway and saw this article called Death by Stress. Wow. And I was like, that's intriguing. I want to read that and started, you know, just reading through the article and it was, you know, kind of, it's all the symptoms of so many of the people that live in New York. It's like, you know, you can't sleep, your digestion suffering, you know, all the things that just come from being exceptionally stressed and tired and worn out physically and emotionally. Um, and so it referenced a man who was a doctor of Chinese medicine at the school that I ended up going to. And I just thought, that just sounds really interesting. Like, how cool. It just mm. sounds cool. Yeah. So I got online, and I sent away for, like, a, a catalog. So I got a ca- the catalog in the mail, and I just started flipping through the course curriculum. And every single page, I was just like, this is amazing. <laughs> this is so cool. I didn't even know anything about this. And it was just this marriage of, of like, ancient technologies combined with nature, combined with like modern solutions. Mm -hmm. And it just spoke to me. It just spoke to me. And I was like, I want to do this. Mm -hmm. And I just, it was such a clear message. I never had acupuncture before. Really? Never had it, never thought about it, never was really interested in it, but it just felt so right. And so I just applied, got all my stuff together and did the interview and got into school. And every person around me was like, I would tell them and rather than no no one was like that's weird or don't you want to look for another job in fashion everyone was like they kind of like cock their head and they'd be like that sounds right for you I can see that I could see that like that works yeah so So are you science minded um I mean ish (laughs) like not isn't it sciencey it is sciencey yeah I mean, I like to understand things. Mm-hmm. I don't like to rely too much on science because I find that intuition and like reading energy is a lot more interesting to me than knowing like the nuts and bolts of things. So I think I meant biology. Are oh. you into? Because like I think of acupuncture as like knowing mm-hmm. all like you talk about even like with breath work some of the like the liver, the nervous system, yeah, right. And stuff. so like so is that did you lean into that? As yeah, as, yeah okay. I did. Yeah. So the school that I went to, they are they originate in California. And in California, as an acupuncturist, you can be a primary care provider. So you could be someone's wow. main doctor, essentially, in California. So there's a ton of Western medical diagnosis. And you had to learn how to read blood work and understand, like, pharmaceutical drug interactions with herbs. And you had to be able to know... Yeah, you had to, it was like, it's a four-year program, so you're basically, it's probably about 500, 500 mm. hours short of, like, medical school. Oh, my God. So I know a lot about the body, and, <laughs> and I love knowing about the body, mm. and the body's not that complicated, like, mm. you know, Googling works, yeah. and it's, and it's... Unless it's WebMD. Unless it's WebMD, <laughs> yeah. and you're terrifying yourself, yes, totally. <laughs> but it's really, it's good, because like, the body is a lot less of a mystery than we think it is. Mm. Especially if we're just going through normal stuff like having a cold or, you know, going through menopause or any of like the typical things that we experience in life. Mm. So you, you, because I always think it's so interesting when we invest so much time in something and then don't do it. So you did Mm -hmm. it and you were very, you had a very active practice. Yes. And then you, I know you were doing Reiki. Were you doing Reiki as 
part of acupuncture, like in terms of when you went for your Reiki master? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And so then, because now you don't do acupuncture mm-hmm. professionally, you're mm-hmm. taking a break or maybe not going back or whatever. So I, you know, because I really think that you're doing it right. Like you're the goal. <laughs> Which I'm sure you hear this from me every time that I talk to you. Oh my God, I tell everybody. (laughs) Um, But so I wonder how that all happened and how you were able to first let go of the job. Mm -hmm. And I know you spoke about this on a lot of podcasts, but I think it's important to just briefly touch on it here. How you let go of the job, stepped into the fear, did it anyway, and then found the success and then said, and I'm going to try something else. <laughs> you know, like, no big deal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, <sighs> the job is in the Prada job. Like, mm-hmm. the, um, I mean, the job was easy to let go of because it was hurting me so much. Mm-hmm. I was like, I think, you know, I'm lucky in that I didn't have anyone else to take care of besides myself. So I was only supporting myself if I'd had children or a partner or parents I needed to take care of, it would have been a different story. But because it was just me, my level of my quality of life became more important for me than a paycheck. Mm -hmm. And so when I went back to school, I was, I got a job waitressing and bartending because, and got student loans. So it all worked out. I moved to a much, um, a much uh, crappier apartment. <laughs> I so, like that word. You know, yeah. took the pay cut, took yeah. the apartment cut, yeah. took all the cuts. Mm. Um, but it was worth it because I was, I was miserable. Mm. I didn't. My life was completely impacted in all of my off time and my weekends by that job and what it was doing to my body and my spirit. Yeah. So, and. I like to be inspired. I do really like remaining kind of like permanently inspired as much yeah. as I can be. So with acupuncture, you know, what I ended up doing with my practice, there's so many people that are amazing with sports medicine. You know, they can do amazing things for, you know, the muscles and the bones and pain and all of that stuff. And I never really cared about that. What I always was really interested in when I would do my intakes, like I want to know about the person's life. Yeah. I wanted to know, I just found myself more and more and more just gravitating towards like depression and trauma and anxiety and all the manifestations in someone's life, like what their relationships were like, you know, what their partnerships were like, what their relationships were like with their family, what their relationships were like with themselves, how they functioned in their group of friends and just how they lived and how they felt in their bodies. And that became so much more interesting and so much more of a focus than, um, you know, their menstrual cycle or their digestion or their, you know, migraines or their food sensitivities. So I started to kind of hone in. Um, and you know, I like David also says this quite a bit, right? Like if it's not fun, I don't want to do it. Yeah. And so that was really like, I wanted to have as a self-employed person, I didn't want to be a shitty boss to myself. Yeah. So why do anything that you're not interested in if you don't have to? Mm-hmm. So, and I just found that, that that area of working with people was the one that I gravitated to the most mm-hmm. and also the one that I was best at and also the one that I knew the, the most through my own personal experience. Yeah. So as I move towards more emotional health, mental health, if you want to call it that, mm. um, I found... I was already moving in that direction, and then I found breath work. So I'd been in practice 
opened my practice in 2010, found breathwork in, uh, yeah, spring of 2014, did my training. Yeah, through Luke. Um, Luke Simon, shout out. So, yeah, he's the best. Um, And then I did my training that, uh, like, summer, fall of 2014, and what I saw for myself and then what I saw for other people was that if I'm working in the realm of trauma and and emotional health manifestations that what I could do in 15 sessions of acupuncture, I could do in one or two of breath work. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to help people and I wanted to help them faster. I wanted them to not have to invest so much money and time. Mm -hmm. And more than anything, with acupuncture and so many different medicines, it's like you go into the room, somebody does something to you, you don't really have to understand it. It doesn't matter. It's kind of, it's cool and it's interesting to know what they're doing and why they're doing it and what's happening in your body. But for the most part, the enjoyment of it is just getting taken care of mm-hmm. and just going in, feeling a certain way, leaving, feeling better. But because of all of the outsourcing culturally, I think probably all over the world, of our power to doctors and therapists and parents and leaders and gurus and teachers. What I really, really loved was that somebody could have this gigantic experience and, you know, look to me, look to me like I did it. Mm -hmm. And I would say back to them, you did that. Yeah. You know, and, and if somebody can, can remember or, or feel for maybe the first time in their body, I have the power to create the sensation in my body. I have the power to hold myself through screaming and sobbing and crying and connecting the dots on my life. I have the power to heal myself. I have the power to go back in time and work through this really painful thing and then this other really painful thing and then this other really painful thing. And they, they're doing the work. Mm-hmm. And I think there's something that feels so good about that. Yeah. That they're not, they don't need to put them, themselves in the hands of other people. That yeah. they actually have the ability and the power to, to move their own energy and yeah. heal themselves. So when you, because you talked about even with acupuncture, that you were looking towards the, um, the picture of the life, right? What's happening in your life that's causing, potentially creating this, um, this in your body. Where did that come from? Because, you know, I know some things about from reading and working with you, but um, was that something as a child you felt always very intuitive, empathetic, sensitive? Like, I know there's a lot of buzzwords, but um, I wonder as a child if you were the curious child who was always, like, looking to help and hold and heal. And if so, how did you go from being the person just taking it to becoming healthy in the space of understanding the boundary of holding the space but not taking the energy from, you know, not not taking the healing. Or like, um, what is, there's a there's something. Uh, either it use ca- it? catching a ride on their healing? No, no, no okay. but I know what you're talking okay. about. But no, I'm talking about when you... Um, it was either you or David said it, like mm-hmm. about that when you want to lean and lean back. But the reason why is because you can, someone could actually use you to help them to heal by, mm-hmm. like you're energetically, like, a, like almost a dependence on you to be the person to help them because yes. you don't have that. You're. We always talk, 
because everyone that's worked with you, that's studied under you, we have like a huge love for you. We always talk about how you're so awesome and open and, and, and hold amazing space and also have great boundaries so we can feel close to you without feeling like, hey, Aaron, want to go for coffee after this? Mm-hmm. And so I think there's, you had, there had to be a point in your life where you were you know, holding it for other people. Yeah. So how did that all... I mean, I definitely was a super sensitive child, and I'm I'm still really sensitive. I'm very sensitive. Um, I like that we're seeing each other in this capacity because I get to be a little bit of a different, not like a different person, but I get to show different sides of myself depending on the environment. And I think that we, you probably got to see a little bit of a different side of me when we're in the training together last weekend. Yeah. Which I think is really beautiful. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think like many of us, I got used to just like running other people's energy in my body just automatically. Yeah. Yeah, Because it felt like, oh wow, if I can, if I can physically and emotionally feel what they're feeling, then that's the closest I can possibly get to them. I can really understand them and I can really, um, feel for them and feel them if I can feel all their emotions. Mm. And there's, I think I, I talked about this, um, in sacred terrain, there's like that, you know, there can be the designated patient in a family, but there's also the designated feeler. Yes. So like the most, um, the most empathic, most sensitive person is going to have all the suppressed emotions of the family funneled through their body that nobody wants to deal with or acknowledge. And then the designated, you know, sensitive feeler person is going to feel like they're coming undone, like they're not in control, like they're spilling out all over the place. And they're probably going to be receiving a lot of criticism and rejection and punishment and, you know, uh, around that from them, even though it's not their fault. They're holding the energy of the entire family. Totally. So my boundaries really emerged out of, I think, like self-preservation and self-protection because it's nobody's nobody's fault, but very few of us are taught healthy boundaries in our families. Mm. Um, I don't think it's, it feels like boundaries is, boundaries is big for this generation. Boundaries is really big. Boundaries is really big. Like that's what we're all, a lot of us are working on and we're teaching our, you know, our caregivers and our parents and different people about them as we learn how to hold them ourselves. And I just, I can't remember like a specific age or a specific situation, but there was just a building up upon building upon building is a moments in time where I was like, I can't do this anymore. Mm. I, I cannot, like I cannot subject myself to this anymore because it's hurting me. Yeah. I can't, I feel unstable. I feel ungrounded. I feel confused. I feel foggy. I'm carrying everybody's stuff all over the place. And it was just, it was like a survival instinct to be like, no more. Mm. And then you know, and then you say no more and then you have to keep your mouth shut and sit on your hands and not do the things that you've been doing your entire life because they're so routine Mm -hmm. and such embedded patterns. So I've been learning, I've been learning and yeah, it's, it's important for me. And like I said, like still learning, it's important for me because I love to be close to people and connected to people, but I also have to be the bigger capacity and the more people that I have in my field and in my world the more I have to be very um, specific about the energy that I'm curating in my space. And like there are levels, you know, there's like the inner layers for certain people, then the next layers for certain people and the next layers for certain people. 
And I never want to feel, I never want anyone to feel like they're shut out or not important or that I'm not there to support them. But I just have to be conscious of what comes in really close. Yeah, and I don't think people feel what you don't want them to feel. Like, I, th- I think everybody feels held and recognizes that you're doing exactly what you're saying. Like, this is the boundary. Someone's coming in to do work. And you're holding the space and you're giving hugs after, right? Um, And you're working with so many people. So again, this is like this thing that's so interesting. So, and I know we only have an hour, so, but you went from like a a healthy, successful acupuncture business to a healthy, Mm -hmm. successful breathwork business. And, you know, without retelling the story that's been told a bunch is that, you know, you, when you went on the road, which we'll talk about, you had to rebuild. And now you have basically wherever you have a circle I'm not speaking about L.A., because okay. I know you talked about <laughs> L.A., but, like, generally, you come to New York, everything's sold out. You were you do Wanderlust, which I came to see you at, which was amazing. You're doing online virtuals with hundreds of people, so it makes sense that you have to have that boundary, um, and I'm just wondering, like, how do you, how do you, like, balance the knowledge that there's so many people coming in, like... Um, David had said, like, you know, he'll feel people tapping in energetically. Mm -hmm. And I know you're very specific about going to email and not DMing and all these things, which is great. And I've tried to pattern my business off of that. But how do you um, how do you balance all that energy coming in aside from living in Topanga and being Mm -hmm. able to hike? Because does that feel like a lot or are you just so boundaried? I mean, it depends. I think that it's it's growing more and more, and so it's um it is a learning process. The main way that I balance that energy coming in, I think, I compartmentalize in a way. So, my the way that I've always done it when I had one on one sessions or or whenever I'm working with somebody, whether it's a group or one on one or training or a retreat, is that I'm gonna give you everything when you're in front of me. I want to give you my heart. I want to give you all my love. I want to make sure that you feel seen. I want to I want to appropriately push you. I want to help you go a little bit deeper. Mm-hmm. And then when I step out, I'm done. 100% done. 100% done. Mm-hmm. So, you know, sometimes, you know, we've known each other for a couple of years now. So, you know, maybe I'll see something and it'll make me think of you. Or mm-hmm. I'll... You know, there might be someone else who'll be like, oh, you know, like that, oh, they'd like that, or that made me think of them, or mm. they might like that song or something. But I really try to keep my on time fully on. Yeah. And then my off time fully off. Mm, so good. Because if I ever, like even walking out of a one-on-one practice, if I worry about somebody, if I feel like I need to check in on somebody, if I'm thinking about them before I go to bed, if I'm thinking about them when I wake up, the time and the energy boundaries are are funky. Yeah. So it's just the way that I practice. I'm trying my best to be deliberate where I'm like, if you're in front of me, I'm giving you everything I have, mm-hmm. fully present and fully here. When I walk out the door, when you walk out the door, when I end the meeting, we're done. Yeah. We're done. So great. And And I can feel good about that and I can feel clean about that. And I think that people on the other end can feel good about that and clean about that. And then I just have to be, yeah, I just have to be careful. And, and it, it is, it's self-care. It's self-care too. It's like getting enough rest and going slowly, 
going slowly enough, you know, whether I'm in New York or I'm in Topanga or wherever else, that I'm not, you know, rushing pace is like my biggest form of self-care. So that I'm not, if I'm going fast, I'm not going to be able to differentiate my energy or 38 people coming to a training's energy. Yeah. I'm not going to emotionally be able to differentiate. I'm going to trip over my own feet. I'm going to miss the... I'm going to get on the subway going the wrong direction. You know, there's all the things that the fogginess and the sideways and the walkiness that can happen if you're not slowed down enough to be able to bring consciousness and awareness to my energy, their energy. Yeah. So it's just, it's a practice. It's a practice. Yeah, but that's like, because I, I can get ungrounded or thrown mm-hmm. a lot um, when I'm not paying attention. And I love how yeah. you say just slow down. Yeah. Um, so does it, so you just finished a a training at H2 one. This is the second one this year in the States. Second one. In the States. No, third. Because you did one in in London. Yeah. Third one this year. Second one in New York. So that's a lot. Do you feel like you're birthing babies all the time? I do. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I love it so much. It's really, um, this is the, this is the ninth time that I've taught H2 one and it's every time I get, um, I get even more comfortable, like the material, like I kind of have it memorized now on the schedule. I have everything in my head. So now I can like, the more I know the material, like the back of my hand, the more I can play with the energy and be a little bit more conscious and aware of everything that's going on in the room because it's a lot to manage to hold the space for all the people and to be really watching how things are unfolding and how people are responding and like, who's shutting down and who's checking out and who's triggered and, you know, just the dynamics in the room. So you can start to pay a lot more attention to the dynamics in the room when you have the, the, the base layer of the curriculum down. Yeah. So it just gets more and more fun. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that you say fun because that's a lot of work. I mean, it isn't, it isn't, it's really, it isn't, it isn't because it's so fun. And like, you know, the people that are attracted to breathwork are some of the greatest, most just sweet, open, available, open-hearted, kind, mm. willing people that I've ever met. Yeah. So I know I'm going to fall in love with everybody when they mm. come in the door. I know I'm going to be so happy to get to know them. And then, you know, the curriculum is relatively simple. Once you know it, you just have to, I just have to sit there and hold the space. Yeah. And let people feel what they feel and do what they do. So it's a, yeah, it's, it's a big weekend. And I, I schedule, you know, I scheduled, um, uh, acupuncture and a facial and like another healing session for the following days. Like I manage my schedule so I get some downtime so I can kind of recover. But, um, you know what David says, I think it's really, it's important. Like I can, I can look at the success of how I'm managing my energy by, do I feel enlivened by this or do I feel devastated by this? Yeah. And I was, I was extra tired because the time zone is hard for me to acclimate Mm -hmm. to. So it usually takes me about a week to get on the, in the zone. Um, so I was tired afterwards, but not tired. Like, um, oh my God, I have to, (laughs) you know, like I'm, I'm drained and burnt out. It was just like, oh, I'm sleepy, but but it was enlivening at the same time because it was so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I just know when I came to Breathwork, to Healer Training 1, I was popping Xanax like it was like a Pez. And um, 
I was. I was like throwing it in my water. By the time they got, to, I was like the thirtieth person to say who I was and what I did, and everybody's like. So I'm like a Reiki master, acupuncturist, blah, blah, blah. and I'm like, I teach spinning, but I haven't in two years. And, and I remember, so I always think about, because you spoke about all the beautiful things that people come in, all these heart opening, ready to heal people who come to training. And I think of, from the backside of it, of how we're all like, oh my God, we're next. Like that high and energy of like, and how to not pick up on it, like how, like even when you walked in, so um, walking into me, like saying we lost a mic, right? And I'm like <laughs> frazzled, and I'm like, okay, how do I bring this down? So I definitely see the expertise in all of your practice paying yes. off. Um, so what do you? So I know you had mentioned your book that you're working on a book, mm-hmm. and um, I'm always wondering, like. Five years ago, wait, 2014, was mm-hmm. when you found Breathwork? Yeah. Unreal. I know. Unreal. Do you say, like, do you, look, I don't really know much about Oprah, but do you feel like, I'm like Oprah? <laughs> like, right? <laughs> it's true, right? Like, you do corporate. You do, like, big corporate groups. Like, I you're do. like Oprah. That's, that's like, the third time I've heard that this week. And I don't, oh, no way, I, really. I don't think, I don't think... <gasps> That there's one thread of, of like of sameness between myself and Oprah, but I'm very That's very hilarious. flattered. No, I just yeah. I do. I feel like where I was like Erin, mm. right? And I yeah. think like it's hard to grow any business. It's potentially a little easier or a little harder with something like breathwork because no one knows about it or less people know about it yeah. than in LA, for example. But you did it, and you're doing it really well, and you're continually doing it, and you keep showing up. So you were traveling. Yes. For a couple years. Yeah. Or like almost two years. Right. So Mm -hmm. like now you're going Airbnb to Airbnb, Mm -hmm. maintaining a business and your sanity, I presume. Yes. Right. And so like that's like do you do you realize like how much you've done with your life? Thank you. (laughs) That's so nice of you. It's true though. Like I think like do you. Could you ever have envisioned, like, I wrote a few questions just mm-hmm. in case I get, like, stuck. Like, I would never get stuck talking, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, but, like, I always think, like, this, and, and this is a saying that's probably overused, but, like, this big and beautiful life that you have. Mm-hmm. You, are, like, you have this amazing life, and people adore you and trust you. And um, did you ever think that you would be here? Absolutely not. Like in any capacity, right? I mean, I would say, all right, so there's, are you a Leo? No, I'm all Scorpio. All Scorpio. Oh, Except nice. for Sag rising, but like, oh, it's, nice. it's all in the self, the house okay. of self. Same. No way. Yeah, me too. I'm like their first house. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. And <sighs> I'm Scorpio rising and I have a bunch of Scorpio as well, but. Um, you have the Leo here today. Yeah. yeah. And I have a Leo moon. I have a Leo moon. So. There was some part of me, like, I remember being a, a little girl and wanting to be a sexy librarian with a convertible. <laughs> like, I wanted the the books and the, like, hotness yeah. together. <gasps> yeah. Um, and I think... <laughs> like the Adam Ant video? Probably. Like the teacher's sexy... Um, or like, I'm hot for teacher? Yeah. I was like, I want to be her. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Like, takes the glasses off and whips the hair around. Yes, exactly. I think you have that. There- <laughs> Mastered. <laughs> Check. <laughs> it's true. Right? So I think there was some there was some part of me and um, 
I don't know, I don't know when I, when I recognized it, but there, there was some part of me that felt the urge or the need to have some kind of like legacy and make some kind of impact and imprint on the world. I didn't really understand how that was going to happen, but I felt an urge. Um, and you know, I want to say that, that, uh, you know, there's so many things that are born out of wounds Mm. and, you know, when I was young, I was, um, I wasn't the squeaky wheel. So I experienced a lot more of like neglect and isolation in my life. And so part of the impulse for me to be seen by a lot of people is like a healing of the part of me that always wanted to be seen and understood. That's really hard. Wasn't it hard for you initially? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, do you mean initially like... Like when you spoke somewhere mm-hmm. about when you were at training with David and you were afraid oh. to speak or something. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. And didn't he like make you do something? Yeah. He, I mean, he made me do a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. He made me make sounds. I took singing lessons because of David. He would make me stand up, you know. That was me. All the things. All the things that you have to do is because he's like working you into being seen and heard. So it took me probably about three years before of like working with him in breathwork before I actually like legitimately, you know, I think inside you value yourself. Like you know, you know you're good inside. You know that there are special things about you you know that you're lovable. Um, but then there's that other part of you that feels like yeah. profoundly broken. Mm. And, um, and like if, if, if they only knew, yeah. if they ever really saw all of it, then mm. no one would stick around. Totally. And that was the part of me that, that took about, you know, my whole life. And then the extra three years with David to, to heal. But, but I mean, you're way ahead of, most people. I mean, I can say, speaking about myself, when you're saying that, I'm like, oh yeah, I still have that wound. And I still have it too. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm still, I'm still working with it. It's like, I feel like self-love is a, it's a lifetime continual process. It's not like a boom, now I'm good. Like check that box. Like it's, you know, there are so many different situations and places. Like we can feel really confident in one area and then like not about our bodies or not with sex or not with our kids or not with public speaking or there's so many areas and places where we can judge ourselves and criticize ourselves and feel insecure. Yeah. Like a billion. Yeah. So, you know, along the self-love continuum, we're going to probably feel really good and solid in some areas and some areas are going to take a lot longer to fill in the gaps. Yeah, but you um, lived... For so long without an actual physical home, your body was your home, right? Yeah. As you traveled, I feel like that takes a lot of of trust, mm-hmm. and that builds self love. I, I don't know. It did. It yeah, did. Yeah. I mean, in a way, yeah. It really one of the main things that I learned from that period of time was that that yeah, my body was my home, mm-hmm. and because I spent so much time outdoors and like exploring nature and getting comfortable and feeling safe in nature. I started to trust myself a lot more. Mm. I there was a 
plenty of places that I went to where I knew people, but there was also many, many places that I went to where I was by myself for like long periods of time yeah. where the only people I actually talked to were like the checkout people at Whole Foods <laughs> or like saying hi to someone on a trail, like, hey. yeah. <laughs> you know, but, at, or, you know, that's Erin Telfer. <laughs> <laughs> She's hiking with us. <laughs> oh my God. I did sacred terrain. <laughs> You never know. So, yeah, yeah, seriously. It's yeah. a funny thing. I've gotten recognized a couple times. And I'm it's not very surprised. funny and yeah. weird. But yeah. Um, so, yeah. So there were some some periods of some pretty, like, you know, there's a couple of months I was in Sedona. Those were some dark times <sighs> in Sedona, you know. Some very dark nights of the soul where, you know, I can call someone on the phone. But as far as, like, getting through the day and, like, you know, the things that I was working on when I was there, I was working really deep into my body and into my pelvis and into all kinds of things. And, you know, you really, when you're the one who's there to take care of yourself, and there's no one else in the room with you and you're in your own mind and your own heart. Like you have to, you have to pull on some resources to be able to hold yourself through that. Yeah. Kind I think, of stuff. I think that's part of why we hold you in this very well lit space I don't know mm. because you take you have the courage to face it and you write about it like I remember when you were writing about that I was like what is that somatic whatever you were doing the um the oh massage. the myofascial release yeah and I was like I kind of want to do that mm, we're not no <laughs> yeah I'm gonna go walk the dogs like right because it's it is like I just I go for a facial acupuncture mm-hmm. And I'm in there, like, crying, right? Yeah. Like, so that kind of work. And you don't really speak um, very personally about your experiences, um, but you manage to still let people know that you can handle it. You've maybe seen it. You know what I mean? Like, I I like the way you... God bless you. I'm just burping. Oh, like not God, on it's your so, I don't smell anything. You're great. Um, and I usually smell everything, so you're doing really well. Oh, no. Okay, um, good. No. But um, I, because I, I always think sometimes oversharing puts the energy out there for people to pick up that wouldn't, wouldn't be theirs. And I love that you're, you're careful about the way that you share. But I always do wonder, like, about that stuff. Like, is that a choice? Of, or is it protection for you? Or... I mean, I think it's it's a bunch of things. It is a boundary because, you know, I think most people think of me sharing as a pretty vulnerable, vulnerably that I share things. Um, but I need to have a private life. Yeah. I need to have a private life. I need to make sure that there are things. And, you know, when you share sometimes, sometimes when you share vulnerably, it opens it up for people to feel sorry for you. Yeah. Um, or offer you advice. That's so interesting. Oh, I want to yeah. talk about that. Yeah. They offer you advice. They feel bad for you. Um, and I don't want that energy coming my way. So I am... And, and also, I think we talked about this in Deep in Your Practice. Awesome. There's some more things. You know, there, there are some things that if I were to talk about my personal experience, it would also involve other people. And so I'm very careful and conscious about not bringing... Um, players in my story into the story mm-hmm. um, because I don't want to deal with the ramifications of that. Yeah. And it's not, it's, I feel like I can communicate enough without needing to give like the grimy, dirty details 
that people get it. If I really felt like I was leaving parts out and I was doing a disservice to somebody by like not telling all of my story, then I would include more. Such an art. It really is. It is an art. And, yeah. you know, there's more. There's more. And I tell little bits and pieces here and there, drop little hints, I say little things. So if you're, you're most places I am. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm if kind of, uh, I don't want to call myself the S word, but I'm always paying attention. You're not. <laughs> no, I, not. I, do, I definitely pay attention. A, we have a good relationship. We've worked in many different capacities together. Thank you. And for I think that's saying cool. That. Thank I'm you. honored. I'm honored if. Because I feel like with a teacher, if you know, you can take a training with me and not, and I don't, and not choose me as your teacher. Mm, I don't know that anybody would really do that. Uh, I think I, some people do. Some people do. So I, if when I'm chosen, I'm honored. Yeah. When I'm chosen, I'm honored. And I also recognize that, like, I've grown out many, many, many grown, oh, outgrown, outgrown, yeah. outgrown, all of the above. Many, many people <laughs> that at one point I was fascinated with because I got their message. I got the lesson. Yeah. So for however long I'm in someone's life and they feel a resonance with what I'm teaching, I'm psyched. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, thank you. Yeah. It means a lot to me. Yeah. But, you know, if there's a time and place in the future where you're like, I'm good. I'm good with her. You know, yeah. that's fine too. No. You know, it's, it's funny because I remember the first thing, which you'll see that I'm doing today. I'm trying to also talking. Oh, that just got, you hear the difference? Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, try to also face the mic is that, the one, one of the many things I got out of HT1, I mean, it was like amazing for every aspect of my life was when we're working with our client one-on-one where eyes are on them and there was someone in the group, like it was like making really loud noises. And I was like wanting my curiosity. It was like wanting to look, but I was like, but I didn't, you know, and I kept my eyes and in other trainings, I've heard people say like, I was watching blah, blah, blah. And she was doing this. I'm like, well, how were you watching if you're holding space? Mm -hmm. Because I literally am like, yeah. glued and um, so I learned so much and um, when you um, share things that we can learn with permission you ask permission or offer something and ask permission to give advice or whatever which I love um, then you know there's so much to learn because you're just clear there's not a lot of like energy around it it's just like this is what it is really quickly if you could just speak about you, you wrote a post and you were getting advice, and you were clearly asked not for advice. And I that resonated very strongly with me. I don't think I gave advice, but I, I'm an advice giver without permission. Mm-hmm. And um, I want you to talk about that because I think it's such a great boundary that people don't even see. Mm-hmm. So if I say um, something, I write about something, and people start giving advice, that's a boundary violation. Mm-hmm. How did you come to that understanding even? So I'm an I'm an over advice giver. Are you really? Yeah. Did you say that? And I missed that in the. I don't know, yeah. but I realized, um, and we can go over if you have more time. I'm totally. Oh fine yeah. With that. I mean, yeah. we have to. Okay. Yeah, we can go over a little bit. Yeah. So, um, well, you know my best friend Melody, and Hello. you know I. This this happened with her. We were we were driving somewhere, and she was talking about something that was coming up for her, and it was something connected to her body. And I like just went in on Chinese medicine and like herbs and like diet and digestion and chi and all this stuff. And I think she said something to me like, um, "I'm really done talking about this." Wow. Yeah, and and she you know she's not very. Cut. Yeah. 
cut yeah, like no, that. Yeah, she's super soft. Yeah, yeah. like she's, she's pretty chill about most things, and she was just like, basically like, stop talking about it. Yeah. And I was like, wow. She didn't even ask me, and I just kind of like onslaughted her with like all of this stuff. And you saw that. That's amazing that you noticed that in yourself. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't the first time. It wasn't the first time. So, you know, I think there's the, what is it? Um, I, I realize how obnoxious I feel like that is when people do that to me. Mm-hmm. When when someone's got like, oh, you know, when, when people come at you, you know, all I wanted to do was share vulnerably about what's going on for me. All I wanted to do was just like say this thing out loud and then you're giving me, you know, 20 doctors and book recommendations and podcasts and stuff or or you're um you're feeling pity for me or you're, you know, reassuring me. That's another thing too that that might be a little bit more of a personal issue, but like the No, I, that's a real the thing. reassurance yeah. when you didn't ask for it. Yeah. Um so there's something there's a power differential that happens with that. So on my end, when I give advice that's not asked for I don't have it fully dialed out about where that comes from necessarily, but there's there's a need to fix. Maybe there's a need to a little ego tie in there, like I know some things, let me help you. Mm-hmm. I think that there's a genuine care embedded in like wanting to help somebody and if you know some things that could help them to offer them to them. Um, but I think it really it shuts down the share of the person. Because sometimes, you know, I think that this is a very common, like, male-female dynamic. Like, often you just want to be heard. You don't want the solution. Mm-hmm. You just want someone to listen to you. I'm having a hard time. My body hurts. I don't know what this is about. It's confusing. It's stressing me out. And not receive this, like, barrage of solutions Yeah. for the problem. So there's a little bit of, like... Um, I think Elizabeth D'Alto, she wrote the post about why unsolicited advice is obnoxious. And I cannot, oh. like, name what she said. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think it, it can shut down the share from continuing because you just wanted the vulnerable moment. And then somebody just blasted you with yeah. all the things you should be doing. Yeah. Um, yeah, it just, it's it can be like a one-upping energy. Interesting. Also, um, it's just the energy, the energy of it is weird. And, and I feel like the asking, you know, do you need support? Do you want advice? Can I offer you something? Um, I do have to stop myself and kind of bite my tongue when I'm like, da, 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 like you should do this. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's not my place. But I, this will be 50 mm-hmm. in a month and two days. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I <laughs> uh, never thought about it for a second. Mm-hmm. Giving advice without permission. Yeah. And um, after I read that, I thought, first I checked to see if I did it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, oh, shit. Was that me? (laughs) Um, And then I was like, okay, how does it feel when I do it? How does it feel when I offer advice or when I receive advice? And I really recognized how much I did it. So like you, like I'd be like, you know, giving advice. On the flip side, so you're talking about male, female. I would say to my husband something like, um, oh my God, I have blood work tomorrow and I'm so stressed because what if blah, blah comes back like this, making mm-hmm. something up, this is not anything real. He'll be like, don't worry about it, you'll be fine. It'll be okay, you're healthy. And I'm like, stop shutting me down. You have no idea what's happening right. in my body. So he's just 
he's just trying to like make me feel better, right. pet me. He doesn't have the tools. Mm-hmm. He's not doing it out of unlove right. or out of like even trying to one up. He's just like, how do I diffuse? Right. And so I had to say to him, like, what I need you to say is, yeah, I can see that. Like, just hold the space. Or you just like, want acknowledgement. Yeah, I hear oh, wow. you. Oh, wow. I understand how worried you might be about that. Like, do you want a hug? Or Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, that sounds scary. Make You know? And to also say, like, this is a big one. Like, yeah, what is the blood work for again? Like, you're listening mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. And then, so, but that's like, I can't even tell you how many people don't do that. Right. I never realized until you said it. So I feel like this is another thing, like... I don't know much about what you're going to write about. I'm assuming things, but I don't know. And you're welcome to share what you're writing about <laughs> if you like. Um, but also, I think this is where you're like such a visionary is that because there's some magic behind you. Thank you know, you. there really is. So, um, what what do you in five years? Right, we did the two year thing, and you were. Right. At, I was glad you didn't hear mine because I was old, like a wreck. But um, where, where do you see yourself, let's say, five years? Because you're writing a book about, if you want to share. So I just, uh, I have a new teacher that I'll just, like, give a little shout-out to. And I think you might have seen me talking about her on Instagram. But um, Liv Wheeler is a new. So after working with David for about six years, it was a couple years ago, I realized that I needed a female teacher. And um, I started asking for a woman to come into my life that was very much connected to the other world and to the earth. And so she arrived just a couple months ago and she is uh, not only a chosen teacher, but she's also a um, very long lost dear friend um, from not this lifetime. Mm. So we had a conversation, a divination call the other, the other night and what she was like, you haven't written the book yet because you haven't brought everything together. And so there are part of, part of why I feel comfortable learning something, loving something and moving on to the next thing is because I'm just here, I'm just here to learn. And I know that breath work is not the end. It's not me and breath work until the end. It's going to be something else. And, you know, I can't, like, I couldn't imagine a time when I didn't do acupuncture. I cannot imagine a time when I'm not doing breath work. But hopefully, I have another 40 years, mm. you know, of health and mobility. One more. Or that's like, yeah, okay. No, do I want to live past 90? Maybe. Yeah. I do. Okay. Yeah. If, I'm, if I can move, yeah. I'll, I want to live past 88. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What age am I? Yeah, I that's only know. 84. Like I need more. Not, yeah. I need, I, need I, yes. I didn't want to say how old you were, but I knew you were a lot <laughs> younger than me. So 44. Yeah. 45 in a couple of Big weeks. difference. So which, what, what I'm learning um, is that I have a lot more assignments. Um, and part of them are going to be, so uh, the, working with the element of air is very important for me in my life. And however I do that. But that's what is bringing, you know, the essence of ether, spirit, into somebody's body. Calling air, calling spirit into somebody's body is part of what I'm here to do. But there are other things that I'm here to do that connect with air and that connect with, on the micro level, helping people repair the fractured parts of their psyche. Mm. And then on the macro level, going to different places in the earth and 
um, potentially taking the pulse of certain areas of land and places that have had fractured communities and harm and trauma on the land between communities of people and working in like a larger context. So no big deal. I don't even. <laughs> I know. It's. Does that feel like? It feels like a lot. Yeah. It feels like a lot. I don't feel like I'm up to the task, but I'm willing at, at to this be, point. Yeah. Yeah. To to get there, and I think that 2020 energy is going to be really interesting for a lot of us. Like, we're all doing this stuff because we're called to it. Mm-hmm. We love it. You know, at least the breathwork people that I know, we love it. Yeah. So we're here to help. We're here to serve. We're here to grow. We're here to heal ourselves in the process. And um, I'm just, I'm ready to be used, like, in the best way possible by yeah. by spirit, by my life. And so, yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm ready to get a little bit more scared and nervous God and bless you. rise to the occasion. Wow. And so I don't know what that's going to look like, but I think that there's a couple other key pieces that need to come in that I need to learn um, before I can actually fully write that thing. That's so cool. Thanks. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> yeah. It's really cool. Like I'm, as, you're, new. As, yeah. <laughs> as you're talking about it, I was like, I, I was getting visions. <laughs> I mean, you're talking about the land. No, seriously. And I was yeah. like, I don't know what this looks like, but because uh, when you say like, you know, because I've heard you say like, you know, I'm not at my last stop before. Yeah. And I'm like, no, but I'm just going to follow you. <laughs> like, I'll, Come I'll follow on. your work, right? Come on with me. Yeah. <laughs> but, it's going to be a good ride, whatever it is. Yeah. but yeah. And I feel like Topanga, it's so interesting because when you chose to land, land meaning find mm-hmm. home, mm-hmm. at least home for now. I don't yeah. know what your long-term plans are. Um, I don't know either. Yeah. I remember you had said something about the carbon footprint and mm-hmm. flying and all of that, and, um, you know, I didn't know Topanga at all, mm-hmm. I just knew, like, the name Topanga from that TV show back in the 80s, I guess, or the 90s, I'm so really doing Boy Meets so. World, yes. someone at the dentist said that today, I didn't know, the girl's name about. was Topanga, and I was like, oh, oh I, is that a place, oh. um, and then when I was driving from LA to Malibu before we left LA last week, or whatever that was, and, uh, I was like, like literally, I was in the car with Krista Reed and yeah. Jen Kissling. Like we're, it's like we're like the Aaron fan club. She's like, <laughs> that's where Aaron lives, Topanga Canyon. Um, but it looks really in nature and really beautiful. Yeah. And I feel like maybe that's what I'm seeing when you're talking about this. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I'm so excited to, to watch and see what happens. Thank you. And I'm so glad you made groups in New York again. Absolutely. Do you always do that? I think I will. Yeah. For as long as I'm doing breath work. Mm. Yeah, there's, there's like no expiration side. date. There's zero expiration yeah. date for that at this point in time. But yeah, I will always. You move pretty love fast, though, Aaron. I do, but it's still it's still the way. It's still the way. Yeah. Right now, yeah. I mean, after after doing an HD one training last weekend, I just like, oh my god, it's just, I feel, like, I mean. You've experienced this too, like I'm, but I'm, I'm looking out on everybody, I'm looking out on this, the glory of humanity, mm-hmm. like these people who just met each other, who are holding each other in love and holding each other in, in grace, and they're, and they're, you can just see the, the offloading of pounds and pounds of pain coming out of their body, yeah. and I don't, I like that high. 
Yeah, I do. I really That's do. so awesome. It feels so good. It feels like everything's right with the world when I see that happening. So for as long as that feels like the right choice, it's it's yeah, it's not it's not it's not gonna change too fa- too fast. That was a beautiful statement. <laughs> I don't want to end, but I want to end there either. because I wanted to go on about okay. John Wineland, but that'll be another oh. thing. I know, <laughs> but I just thought that was a, such a great, such a beautiful vision, and we feel that from the student mm-hmm. side as well. That's so good. Yeah. That makes me so happy. Yeah. Mama Erin. Mama oh, man. All Thank your you. Babies. Yeah. Thank you. Since I don't have any, that's good. Oh, you have tons. I mean, being a mom in a certain capacity is important to me, so thank yeah. you. Yeah. Do you feel it? Did you feel it when we were all together when we graduated or I got d- our certificate? I did. It's yeah. so funny because it's a little bit of a boundary thing where I want to be, I want to be, um, uh, yeah, I was so like, I think the word proud is really weird, but I was just so happy for all of you. I was so happy. Mm. I just wanted to scream and hoot and holler. And you were so just, happy you were there. Because I just yeah. know all, I, I saw the path for all of you, personal mm. and professional. Wow. And it was big. You all went through a lot to yeah. get from there to there. So yeah. I just wanted to celebrate you. Thank you. You're thank welcome. you so much. And thank you for taking thank the time you. to come Thanks here. And uh, I'll see you on Saturday. Thank you. Yeah. See you Saturday. Thank you. And um, all the links for Aaron um, in terms of social media and website are all in the description. Um, but for a quick view, it's AaronTalford.com. And then... Instagram is Aaron Telford underscore. Underscore. Yeah. Two underscores. Oh. Mm-hmm. What? Aaron Telford underscore underscore? Mm-hmm. I just, you're like in the top of my feed. I don't think I've ever <laughs> searched you up. <laughs> um, that'll all be below. And if you want to share information on teachers or whatever, we can put all that below. So okay. thank you so much and have a beautiful day. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Access and Expand the Conversations with Tiffany Karen. If you like this, please go ahead and share the link.